welcome to the weekly podcast of Trinity Life Church. We are a local church that gathers in downtown Toronto on Sundays and all throughout our city during the week. Now our mission is to help people discover their identity and destiny in Christ so we can influence our city, our country, and our world. If you're looking for a place to call home, we'd love to have you. Our services are Sunday from 10.30 to noon at Jarvis Collegiate. Enjoy this week's podcast. So cute, not Seth, the little one. Um, <laughs> Seth's cute too. Um, but wow, that is, uh, we didn't just want to show you a cute home video today. Now that's a picture of discipleship from a father to a son, which uh, we're seeing, we, we saw a picture of that last week in the baptism, right? A father approving a son. And Jesus right now in this passage in Luke 4, going into the wilderness in a temptation in the fullness of the spirit is about to go out also in the approval of his father. I mean, how, how, how amazing is that? Right? How, how awesome is that, uh, that he is, he is about to go out into the wilderness, but with all those things. And so as we go into the series, as we're in the series, as we go into the sermon today, where we're in this series called Discover Jesus, where we're really focusing on the humanity of Christ and what that means for us. Because I think if we can understand uh, the humanity of Christ, because oftentimes we, we neglect his humanity for his divinity, but if we can start to understand his humanity and how he operated as a human being in the flesh, as he operated like that in the fullness of the spirit, we're gonna learn more about how we can do that. And that's my hope for you this morning that you would learn how to walk in the fullness of the Spirit. We kicked off today talking about uh, things that you like to eat, that you love to eat, that you know aren't good for you. And, and so we're going to tie that in later, later in, this, in this sermon because Jesus walks in the fullness of the Spirit, which means he's, he's, he's doing something different than a lot of us do day to day, right? And, and think about this. Just think about physically. So physically, most of us get by day to day kind of tired, right? You need your coffee, you need your Red Bull, you need your candy, you need whatever it is. You need your, you need your boost, you need your caffeine, you need, well, you need some sort of boost to get you through the day. Okay? And, and you may say, well, I don't need coffee. Go, go a couple days without drinking it and see how big of a headache you have, right? Uh, you are dependent on it. Uh, so you, you may say, well, I don't need that. But but you, you, you partake of it. So, uh, and that's because a lot of us physically, we're just overstretched. And, and so physically, mentally, emotionally, we, we just go, 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 and we wait for uh, the weekend, or we wait for that vacation, or if you have a good rhythm, you're waiting for your Sabbath, right? Which if you have a Sabbath rhythm, hopefully it's battling against these things. But for most of us, you're physically exhausted. You wake up in the morning and you're physically drained. You're like, man, I got a whole day in front of me. By the end of the day, you're physically drained. And, and a lot of us are just trying to get by on our energy reserves throughout, throughout the week. Now take that. And then guys, what, what's funny here is, uh, so I have a nine-year-old and a 10-year-old, two daughters. And it's like they, ha- they do not have a lack of energy. I don't care how much sleep they get at night. I don't care how, if they're sick, like, even if they're sick, I can't tell sometimes because they have the same amount of energy. They just go and they run. I remember last time you ran somewhere just because, like, just because you're excited and 
You're like, yeah, I'm gonna eat dinner. And so you run to dinner. I can't remember the last time I saw an adult do that. Um, uh, but kids do things, they run to everything, right? They're just so excited. They, they don't have a lack of that physical energy that we adults have. Now take that and think about us spiritually. So many of you spiritually, that's what your life looks like. You're like, I just have enough Bible to get me through this day, this week, this month, this year. I just have enough of community to get me through this thing. I just have enough of fellowship. I just have enough of serving. I just have enough of prayer to get me through the next thing, right? You're, you have this lack of spiritual energy. You have this, this, um, uh, this scarcity, right? You're not operating in the fullness of what God wants you to operate in, of the fullness of the Spirit in the abundant life. And your spiritual life is just like your, your physical life. You need that, that coffee, you need the, the, the Bible sometimes, to, but, but we don't desire it as much, right? So your, your Bible, like when was the last time you, you read that? When was the last time you uh, spent time in prayer? When was the last time you really confessed your sins to somebody? When was the last time you really served somebody? Like these things are spiritual disciplines that uh, energize us and keep us going. But a lot of times we don't desire those. Right? We, don't, we don't want those things. So, uh, and, it's, and it's, it's similar. You see Jesus here. I wonder, in this passage, we've talked about, you see Jesus here. We talked about him at 12 years old in the temple. And then we don't hear anything about Jesus until he gets baptized. And then we see him go in the wilderness in the fullness of the Spirit. So I, I wonder if the author is telling us something here about our humanity. Right, Because Jesus talks a lot about childlike faith. So we see Jesus as a child, and we don't see him again until he's walking in obedience to baptism and then in a temptation into the wilderness. Oh, I want you this morning to recover a childlike faith in the fullness of the Spirit, to not let the adult things of the world distract you from that faith, but to walk forward as Jesus did as a 12-year-old, then we see immediately right after that, his baptism and then the temptation, into the kingdom with a childlike faith. Jesus says that's the only way we enter the kingdom. If you can actually humble yourself like a child, and I guarantee you that will energize you in a way you haven't seen it before. And we're going to see that in Jesus here. Bottom line for today is fullness comes through emptiness. Fullness comes through emptiness. That's the bottom line today. We're going to talk about this uh, as we go through this passage. So verse one, and Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness. So he's, he's full of the Holy Spirit. He's filled up. He's, he's abounding. He's complete in the Holy Spirit. So nothing else, right? Do you get that? Like, he's full of the Holy Spirit. Nothing else can fit in that bucket. It's all a Holy Spirit bucket. If you think of like a bucket of water, he's full of the Holy Spirit. Nothing else. He's abounding in it. He's, he's complete in it. And so what are you full of this morning? What are you full of today? Now, most of you are full of, I can't say this, I probably shouldn't say this on 
recording, but do we got a poop emoji in the house? Like, can we flash that up on the screen? Uh, I don't know why the poop emoji's smiling, but uh, most of you are full of that. And you, and you might say, you might say uh, that's, that's a little harsh, but think about this. If you're not full of the spirit, what are you full of? You full of your uh, YouTube videos that you watched all day yesterday? You full of your you know, Netflix binge watching? You full of uh, lies that someone has spoken over you? Are you full of uh, the pressures of your job that are, that are put on you, that are of the world, not of the kingdom? Are you full of uh, desires for a, uh, a relationship and someone to just love you? Are you full of, uh, like, what is consuming you? What is in your bucket this morning? Are you just like, are you full of the Spirit? Or are you full of things that are distracting you from being full of the Spirit? Like, the author here does not hesitate. He says, Jesus is full of the Holy Spirit, and he was led by the Holy Spirit. Do you want that this morning? Do you want that to be your reality today? That you can actually operate in the fullness of the Spirit? And I, and I get, you might be saying, you might be saying right now, well, that's Jesus. He's God, right? But Luke has already talked about three other people in this, in this text, in the book of Luke, that are filled with the Holy Spirit, that are full of the Holy Spirit, and have done amazing things. Zechariah, Elizabeth, and John the Baptist. N neither of those three are God. So before you write this off and say, well, Jesus is God, it's easy for him, he's full of the Spirit. No, he is in the flesh, just like we're in the flesh. And we've already seen Zechariah full of the Spirit. We've already seen Elizabeth full of the Spirit. We've already seen John the Baptist full of the Spirit. So that can be your reality too. You can be full of the Spirit this morning. And so he says here, verse 2, for 40 days, being tempted by the devil. So he's going to the wilderness for 40 days, being tempted by, guys, I've been in that wilderness in the Judean desert. And it is unforgiving. It's a barren wasteland. So he's in there for 40 days. I mean, yeah, it's, it's crazy. I can't imagine that. Being tempted by the devil. And he ate nothing during those days. He ate nothing. So he's physically empty. So he's spiritually full, physically empty. And when they were ended, guess what? He was hungry. <laughs> um... He was hungry. Guys, do you realize that Jesus, is it, he dealt with the same things that we deal with in the flesh. His flesh is not a superhuman flesh. It is a human flesh. And he's living in the days of his flesh, as the writer of Hebrews says. He's, it's a human flesh. He gets hungry. We see that here. He gets tired. That We see him sleeping on the boat while the disciples are like, um, working away, right? And in the storm, we see him sleeping there. We see him thirsty at the Samaritan woman as he go, in John 4 when he goes and gets water. We, we see him with the limitations of the flesh that we have. We see him, as the writer of Hebrews says, going through the same temptations of the flesh that we have. Because he has this flesh that is trying to, to cause him to sin, just like we have this flesh that is trying to cause us to sin. 
this weak flesh. His flesh is the same flesh. He doesn't have a flesh of Hercules, of an, a titan, right? Jesus' flesh is actually not even very good looking, the Bible says, right? It's not a special flesh. He didn't get like Brad Pitt flesh, right? He doesn't look like The Rock, right? He's, it's, it's just regular flesh like you and like me. Same weaknesses, same limitations, right? That's Christ's humanity. And he's showing us how to overcome that, how to walk forward in that while we're in this flesh. And he does it in the fullness of the spirit. And it says here, he was hungry. Yeah, he hasn't eaten for 40 days. He's hungry. Verse three, the devil said to him, if you are the son of God, command the stone to become bread. So Luke has just told us in the genealogy here, he just told us that Jesus is the son of God, right? Back up to verse 38 of chapter three, he says, in the genealogy, the son of Enos, the son of Seth, the son of Adam, the son of God. So we all who are reading this know that Jesus is the son of God, right? Or at least we know that the author is identifying him that way. Uh, and, and so if we put ourselves in this book, in the story here, in the narrative, we know that he is telling us that Jesus is the son of God, right? But not everybody knows that in this narrative. And you see here, the devil comes to him, Satan, a demon. He comes to him and he says, if you are the son of God, if you are, this is what you will do. You will command the stone to become bread. And Satan is trying to put Jesus in this box. He's, he's saying to him, this is what the Son of God looks like. The Son of God does these things. These are my expectations of the Son of God. And I'm going to put that on you, Jesus. And he says, so if you are who everyone's saying you are, you know, probably everyone in the, in, the, in the spiritual realm, we haven't had people really declaring it here except possibly John the Baptist, right? But if, if you are this person, if you are the Son of God, well, I know what the Son of God looks like. And he looks like this. He will do this. He will command bread to turn into stones. And Satan starts to put his expectations on who the Messiah is, on who the Son of God is. And this is what Jesus answers him. He says, it's written, man shall not live by bread alone. That's Deuteronomy 8.3, the second part of that. Matthew quotes in his, in his uh, recounting of the temptation narrative. And it's, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. And Jesus just basically dismisses him here. I love, I love how Patrick Henry Reardon, he's an Orthodox priest, how he, how he says, how he talks about Jesus in, in, in this passage. He says, Jesus doesn't even consider this demon as, as, uh, as anybody. He says, this demon is inconsequential to him. This demon is a nobody to him. So much so that he gives him a backhand brush from the book of Deuteronomy. He just like brushes him aside. Guys, 
thing about Jesus here, like, Oftentimes we were like, ah, I don't know what you think how what you think about Jesus in this moment and how he sounded. But remember, he's physically empty. Now he's for the Holy Spirit, but he's physically empty. He's physically weak, right? Think about not eating for 40 days. Some of us when we did our fast in the early parts of this year, we didn't eat for what? I can't remember, was it 12 days? Um, 12 day fast. Uh, and that, that was hard enough, right? 40 days, think about this. He's, he's physically weak. He's experiencing the limitations of his flesh. And so this is a pretty good one, right? That the enemy wants to tempt him with food. He's like, hey, just make food for yourself, right? And he dismisses him with, with this verse from Deuteronomy. He says, no, you know what? I'm spiritually full, so much so, because I eat of the word of the Lord, that I don't need anything physical to sustain me right now. Because I have spiritual fullness. Guys, you hear that truth this morning? How much of your life is patterned around looking towards the physical to fulfill you, to satisfy you, and you neglect the spiritual. But if you're focused on the spiritual, satisfying and fulfilling you, you wouldn't need the physical. Do you get that? You wouldn't need that car. You wouldn't need that job. You wouldn't need that raise. You wouldn't need that house. You wouldn't need that, those clothes. You wouldn't need, uh, well, wear clothes. But you, you, you wouldn't need those clothes. You wouldn't need these things to satisfy you because you would know that when you got them, that they actually don't satisfy you. And you know that. You know that. You know that everybody has a thing. You get that thing. You say, oh, it wasn't what I thought it would be. So then you want to get the next thing. And the cycle is a vicious cycle that just goes and goes and goes. And Jesus says here, I don't need that thing. I survive on every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. I don't need bread. And, and Jesus, in this moment, he doesn't have to scream this at the enemy. He's not like, get away from me, Satan. Man doesn't live by bread alone. Like, I see him just saying in his weakness, man doesn't live by bread alone. I live by the word of God. Because he believes it. He knows it to be true. He's hidden that word in his heart that he might not sin against the Lord. That is who he is. That word is in him. It is him. And guys, he, it, he, he just, he speaks that over himself. Like it's his confidence, right? We just saying that I have this confidence. Do you have that? He just confidently says, you know what? This is what the Bible says. That's what I believe. Okay. And Satan does not have a retort. Satan cannot come back. He actually has nothing to say to him. He just moves on. He's like, oh, yeah, uh, okay. So verse five, I'm going to try this. And the devil took him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time and said to him, to you, I will give all this authority and their glory for it's been delivered to me and I give it to whom I will. So here he's, he's giving Jesus an out, right? He's, he's giving, he's saying, Jesus, basically, you don't have to follow the path. If you're the son of God, you don't have to follow the path that the father has laid out for you. I'm not exactly sure what that is yet, but um, I can just give it to you now because it's, it's mine. I can give it to you. And I can see Jesus in this moment saying, 
you, you can't give me anything. I have all of this. All this is mine. Like, it just doesn't look like you think it should look, devil. But all this is mine. And it will be mine. Like, like you see Jesus just saying, what are you even talking about? I'm the son of God. Like, and I'm in this flesh now, so I don't, I'm not exercising this control over it like, like you're talking about. But I'm choosing the Father over, over what you're offering to me. Right? And, and Jesus, guys, this is, this, is, this is so key for us because your power as a follower of Jesus in life does not reside in what you can gain or what you already have in your hands, but in what you can give up, what you're willing to let go of. Your power resides in what you're willing to die to, what you're willing to empty yourself for, what you're willing to give up. Jesus, in Philippians 2, emptied himself to come into a form of a servant, to be obedient to, the, to death on a cross. He gave up everything for us. And, he, and, and that word is like, he, he emptied himself so that he could show us what it's like to live in the fullness of the Spirit. And he's modeling that for us. He's, he's walking that out for us. And, and Jesus, because he's in the fullness of the Spirit, he's eating and he's ingesting and he's digesting. He's, he's, he's consuming the fruit of the Spirit. He's consuming love and he's consuming joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. Right? He's self-control, right? He can make bread out of stones if he wants to. But he's eating of the fruit of the Spirit, not the fruit of the world. And guys, if you want to be full of the Spirit, you got to eat of the fruit of the Spirit, not of the fruit of the world. And so many people come to me and they say, why is my life like this? Why am I this? Why am I this? Why, why is this happening to me? And I say, are you eating of the fruit of the Spirit? And they say, why is that your answer? <laughs> guys, stop eating of the fruit of the world. If you eat the things that you know you should not eat, bad things are going to happen. Like, we were talking about Taco Bell earlier in the feed, right? You eat Taco Bell, like Daniel said, <laughs> that's not good for the rest of your system, right? So, so, guys, we're ingesting things, and I love what Michelle said. She said, our, our guilty pleasure is potato chips. So what do we do? We don't have them in the house. We don't have them in the house. We just take those things out of our lives. We cut out our eye, we cut off our hand, and we say, God, you are worth more than those things, right? And, and that's how you start to ingest the fullness of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus says, I don't need that bread because I'm eating of the fruit of the Spirit. I'm eating love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, 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 kindness self-control. And those things, against such things, Galatians says, there is no law. Oh, guys, 1 Corinthians 15, 56 says, says that uh, the law is sin, meaning that 
meaning that we put law on ourselves. No, it's not, not, not talking about Mosaic law, all that stuff. It's just saying when we put law on ourselves, it's sin. It causes us to sin. And think about this. Here's a good example. You say, I say, I want you to eat the fruit of the Spirit. And, and let, let's say someone invites you to, um, I don't know, uh, to, let, let's say they invite you to King West, pre-COVID, right? Uh, or maybe post-COVID party, uh, you know, to, to this club where you know Man, and I shouldn't be seeing these things. I shouldn't be, uh, like, it's just going to trip me up. I, uh, like, maybe you're prone to alcoholism. So you're like, oh, I shouldn't be in that situation. You know, all these things. So a lot of times you, uh, and I'm not just speaking against clubs here. I'm just, this is an example. So uh, uh, you say, well, I'm not going to go there. Uh, so your friends invite you out and you say, well, I can't. And they say, well, well why not? And you're like, well, I can't because, uh, you know, I I'm, you know, I'm a Christian, or I can't because I know that it'll trip me up. That's a law mentality. When you say, well, I can't do this because of this, what you should say is, you know what? I don't even want to do that. I want to follow Jesus. So you're saying, it's a desire. So you've switched from uh, I can't because the law is restricting me to, no, my desires don't align with that. My desires are different than that. This is, this is Psalm 37, 4. It's delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Delight yourself in the Lord first, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Guys, there's so much here. I can go on and on about this. We're, we're not even that far into this text, but, but Satan is trying to give him authority, and Jesus says, I already have that. And you have that. Do you realize that you are a vice regent? You are a king. You have been given dominion and care and authority over this world all the way back in Genesis 128. You're a king of promise. Like that is your destiny. You guys are kings and queens this morning and, and you, are a, you are ruling with God. Jesus is the king of kings. That's us. Do you realize who you are this morning? You have the fullness of the spirit in you. You have access to the spirit. And I want you to live an abundant life. And so many of us are struggling with temptation, with other things this morning. And and it's because of this law that's pressing down on us. This is I can't mentality, not this, man, I want that. Do you really want to live in the fullness of the Spirit? So many of us say, uh, I think this is a James Clear quote. He, he's, uh, I, I love how he says this. He says, um, uh, just take working out, for instance. You, some of us want to say, you'll say, well, I want to lose 15 pounds. Okay, that's, that's a good goal. Okay, you have a desire that I want to lose 15 pounds. What we should really say is, do you want to work out every day for the next seven months? Most people are like, oh, if you put it like that, no, I'm out. The question isn't, do you want the reward, the goal? The question is, do you want the lifestyle? And the fullness of the Spirit, the abundant life, is a lifestyle of, of walking with, with God, of walking in step with the Spirit, of hearing and obeying, of being with the Father in His presence. Do you hear that? Being with the Father in His presence. How much of your day is spent not in the Father's presence? Guys, do you want that this morning? 
Jesus is showing that in our humanity, even in a very weak state, he can have that. He can, he can show us what it is. He can give that to us. And you are your own worst enemy in this. You're your own worst enemy. You're the one hindering you. It's not anything else outside. It's you. You choose to believe the lies. You choose to believe the expectations. You choose to believe these. You choose to put the law on you. You choose to put yourself under it. Guys, you are a victim of yourself here. And so Jesus is showing us we don't have to live a life like that, that we are actually kings. Like we have this dominion to exercise over creation, this care, this authority. And he says to Satan, are you kidding me? I don't want what you have. What you have and what you're going to give me is fleeting, it's temporal, it's ephemeral, it's short-lived. And so many of us choose the authority, the power, the success, the riches, the wealth, the sex, all that that the enemy has to offer. And you know it's short-lived and you still choose it over and over again. And Jesus says, no. You shall worship the Lord your God, in verse 8, and him only shall you serve. Him only shall you serve. What are you putting your worth into this morning? That's what worship means. What do you give worth to? Right? Like, you're not bowing down before your job or anything like that, but, but are you giving more worth to that than you are to living your life for Jesus? Are you giving more worth to your family? Are you giving more worth to your, your goals for your children? Are you giving more worth to uh, your financial status? Are you giving more worth to... What are you giving more worth to this morning than you are to God? And guys... People always ask me, every time I talk about things of the world, people are like, oh, were you saying these things are bad? What is, like, what, am I supposed to just go live as a monk? No, I'm not saying that. Like, think contextually here, guys. Um, it's about ordering. If your identity is in Christ, all those things will be ordered underneath in their proper order. Jesus redefines family. He redefines finances. He redefines what you do for a living. He redefines all these things when your identity is in him. That's why it's the beginning of our mission statement. And Jesus is showing us that an emptiness needs to happen in order for a fullness to happen. We got to empty ourselves of those desires. We got to empty ourselves of what we call worthy if we want the fullness of the spirit. Verse 9, he says, Then he took him to Jerusalem and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down. For it's written, he'll command his angels concerning, concerning you to guard you, and on their hands they'll bear you up, lest you strike your foot against them. So Satan ramps up. He's like, oh, I know scripture. I know scripture too. Let me throw this at you. Right, let, let me say this. And he takes him to the pinnacle of the temple. He says, well, again, if you're the son of God. Again, guys, he's putting his expectations on to the Messiah, on to the Son of God. Satan has no right to do that. And Jesus knows that. Satan has, Satan has no idea who the Son of God is and what he should think, how he should act, what he should be like. And Jesus knows that and he dismisses him out of hand. And guys, if Jesus can do that, and if that's true for Jesus, that's true for you this morning. What expectations are you living with that are boxing you in from your parents, from your spouse, from culture? You know, they expect, if you're, if you're a woman, they expect you to look a certain way, dress a certain way. If you're a man, they expect you to act a certain way, to, to, to be a certain way. If you're, 
if you're um, a child, they expect you to stay in this box and, and, and behave a certain way, right? Well, what expectations is your job putting on you that are not of the, the kingdom, right? What expectations are, are you buying into? What lies are you buying into that are holding you back that the enemy is saying, hey, if, if you're filling your name, then you're supposed to look like this. If you're filling your name, then you're supposed to act like that. If you're filling your name, then you're supposed to think like this. Then your life is supposed to look like this. And when we buy into those lies, we live a perpetual cycle of lack of satisfaction, of discontentment, of loneliness, of you know, all these things, right? Because, because we believe in the expectations of the world of the enemy. So here's the thing, expectations aren't bad. Don't cast out all expectations, but switch out. And sometimes we have, quote unquote, good expectations on us. But what we should have is God expectations. And do you want that this morning? Switch out your good expectations for God expectations, and you will live the abundant life in the fullness of the Spirit, guys. Walk forward in that today. And the enemy is trying to hold down Jesus and say, well, if you're son of God, you're going to look like this. And Jesus says, oh, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. And in that moment, Satan departs. He flees. He leaves. He didn't have anything else. That was his tool bag. He didn't have any other temptations. And he leaves. And Jesus here identifies himself. Like, it's not explicit, right? He's not saying, I'm the Messiah, so leave. Now, you can say maybe, you can actually picture him saying, hey, don't put the Lord your God to the test. Like, that's me right? But he doesn't even have to say that because what he said all throughout here is, well, I'm with him. I'm his. You have no right here. You have no place here. Lie. You have no place here. Enemy. You have no place here. Expectation that is unhealthy. You have no place here. Worldly thing. You have no place here. Devil. I'm with him. I'm his. And I am approved. I don't know if you heard that voice from heaven earlier, but uh, it said, I'm his beloved son, and he's well pleased with me. I'm already approved, Satan. I don't need to prove anything to you. And the devil leaves. And he waited until an opportune time. Guys, you want to know one of the keys to fighting temptation, to overcoming temptation? Don't give it an opportunity. Don't let it come. Don't give it an opportunity. Don't wait till you have opened the door slightly and there's an opportune time for the enemy to attack. Guys, I, I talk to young couples all the time, and, and uh, I mean, you, one of the biggest things that people struggle with in dating relationships uh, and, and all that is physical intimacy. How far is too far? Oh, I'm struggling. My, my girlfriend and I, my boyfriend and I, we messed up. We, 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 um, we went too far physically, you know, sexually, whatever, all, all these things. And I always ask this. I say, hey, if, if um, you were sitting here watching a movie with Missy and I in our living room, would you just start making out and feeling each other up? And they all laugh. They say, ah, no, no, we want to do that. And I say, well, don't be alone. Like, it's that easy. Like, you don't want to be tempted to fall to temptation. 
Don't put yourself in that opportunity. Don't put yourself in that situation. It's pretty easy. Like, so many times, guys, if we don't give the enemy an opportunity, well, we don't have to, we don't have to uh, uh, struggle hard to overcome it because there's no opportunity. And so just don't, don't put yourself in that opportunity. That's, that's one of the key things in, in, in living a life uh, uh, free of less and less sin is learning how not to put yourself in an opportunity to sin. Guys, here's the reality. I'm weak and you're weak. The Bible says our flesh is weak. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. I know that in certain situations of certain things, I'm going to sin. So what do I do? I look into the future and say, if I make this decision here, well, then I won't be in that situation there. It's that simple. Start doing that. Don't give the devil an opportune time. So then, uh, oh, guys, this whole passage, okay? Um, this is the last thing. This whole passage is, is kind of a picture of Jesus and Israel and the church. He has, he's gone into the wilderness for 40 days, just like Israel did. He just came out of his baptism. He just, just like Israel crossed the Red Sea, just like Israel crossed in the Jordan, crossed Jordan River, Jesus has just come out of his baptism, identifying as a representative of the people of God. And he's going to the wilderness, just like Israel went into the wilderness. Just like us as a church, you and me, as the people of God, our, our, our stories are the same, right? baptism, and, and then we kind of get kicked out into the world, right? Trying to live this newfound faith. And Jesus is going out in approval, full of the Spirit. And do you realize that each of these verses that Jesus uses to, to overcome temptation, to dismiss the, the enemy, to dismiss the devil, are from the book of Deuteronomy. I've said this before, but Deuteronomy is the gateway to the rest of the scriptures, like it is the door. If you can understand the book of Deuteronomy, it's going to help you understand the entire scriptures. Uh, and Jesus quotes, Jesus, Deuteronomy, I think, is his most quoted book. And he quotes from Deuteronomy here um, three times. It's almost like a reset. It's almost like, man, if the people of Israel just lived out the book of Deuteronomy the rest of the story wouldn't have had to happen. Bad kings, bad judges, exile, uh, you know, people dying, all, wars, all this stuff. It's like that didn't need to happen if Deuteronomy happened. Blessing would have happened if they lived out Deuteronomy. And Jesus is living that out. Blessing is happening. And he's showing us that here, that if we just did that, if we just really followed uh, what, what, what he said, the simple things that he said, then that, that exile, that wilderness, all that doesn't have to happen in your life. That, that story of, of struggle, of, of um, loneliness, that story of discontentment, of dissatisfaction, of a lack of purpose, of wandering, that doesn't have to happen. And Jesus, it says here, returns in verse 14 in the power of the Spirit. He doesn't die in the wilderness. 
He doesn't wander around there for 40 years. He doesn't live a life of, of a lack of purpose. He doesn't come back saying, God, what do you want me to do with my life? He comes back in the fullness of the Spirit with purpose, knowing his identity in the Christ as the Messiah, in the Father's approval, in the fullness of the Spirit. And it says, he taught the synagogues being glorified by all. And that's the abundant life. That's what you can have today. You can have that. You don't have to have the life that the Israelites had that they showed us. You don't have to wander around with no purpose. You don't have to wander around uh, unsatisfied with your, your life, your job, your relationships. You don't have to do that. If you delight yourself in the Lord, he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to him, trust in him, and he will act. And Jesus shows us that fullness this morning, and I want that for you. But you have to empty yourself. You have to die to yourself. And then... And then you will truly live as a ruler, as a king, as, as someone who is living the authority, the power, and the presence of God. And let's, I just, I want that for you this morning. So let's pray over that for you this morning. Lord Jesus, help us to realize who we are. We just saying we know who you are. That's who we are because our life is in you. You are our God. You are everything. And so be the lift of our heads this morning. May we not walk, walk around with our heads down, but with heads lifted high, knowing that we walk as children of light and in the darkness, that we actually are light. We love you, Jesus. Pray this in your name. Amen. If you want to know more about the TLC community, check out trinitylife.ca or you can find us on Facebook. Of course, we'd way rather meet you in person, so we hope to see you at a service soon.